Yeah, we just can't afford to lose four individuals. I'd say Johnny Gibson Park, probably Andrew Porter, and I would say probably Doris. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Welcome along to Monday Night Rugby. The first weekend of Six Nations action is in the books. Thrillers in both Rome and London over the course of the weekend and an oddly straightforward win for Ireland in Cardiff. Their first in Six Nations Rugby in the Welsh capital in a decade. To pick through everything that went on in the previous 48 hours, I'm delighted to say uh, I'm joined by two Munster and Ireland legends, Fiona Hayes and Keith Wood. Welcome along to you both. Good evening, Richie. Good. How are you? Nice to have you along. Um, we'll start, obviously, enough with events in Cardiff. It was a brilliant start on all fronts for Ireland because those two tries in the opening eight minutes essentially set the table for what was to come and put any fears of the Gatlin factor, the Cardiff factor, the roof factor, all of that went out the window and it looked like Ireland had straight road in front of them uh, and went on, obviously, to that 34 points to 10 win. Um, Keith I'll start with you because I don't want to detract from what Ireland did I don't know if this struck anybody else how bad Wales actually were in that first half they were dreadful uh, they were they were poor um, and I don't think they were given an opportunity to get out of it normally there is a little bit of ebb and flow so mm-hmm. a mistake will happen and you get a, you get a breath and there wasn't any for about about 35 minutes nearly and um i look for me i thought it was an incredibly professional performance i also thought it was an incredibly fatiguing performance um there were stats that came up on the screen at about 35 minutes that was seven penalties to wales only one to ireland there was uh, three times three and a half times the number of tackles were made by wales compared to ireland um so if you were playing against an aging team, an aged team, as opposed to aging, what would you like to do? Well, you want to make them feel every single year that they've been on the earth. And I think that's what actually happened. So they were running to the ground, but every hit was a heavy hit. Um, and you, I often talk about heavy hits because um, I know what they, they take out of the opposition. Um, it's the best James Ryan's played for a long while. Mm-hmm. Um, he played with a high level of intent, but he seems to have bulked a fair bit as well. And it's just every time he hit somebody, they stayed hit. Caelan Doris was just off the chart. And um, well, for me, and I have to talk about him because he's a hooker, Dan Sheehan is just setting the world alight. I mean, for, for me, it's, it's uh, to have played in that position and to get excited when you see somebody bringing it to an entirely different level and and he has been he's every performance he's played seems to have upped a little bit so i've so i enjoyed every part of it and when you talk about wales which is the, the question you asked me wales just didn't get a look in so they needed a lot of things to go their way but they were i thought their selection was a little bit off i'd have put Raffel on um from from leicester he's just a nuisance he's a guy to slow things down every rook for ireland was at a million miles an hour and because of that armchair for nine and ten and ireland were in total control and wales looked shell-shocked 
Yeah, Fiona, it was a brilliant performance from, from front to back for Ireland. We'll start, I guess, with that pack. The second row in particular, uh, James Ryan and Ty Byrne had, I don't want to say games of their lives, but they were certainly operating at a level that suggests that they are very much world beaters at this stage. Yeah, I agree with Keith, especially around the James Ryan point. I thought he was absolutely exceptional. Um, a lot of people, pundits have spoken, you know, that he he, he quite hasn't lived up to, I suppose, his early hype. But this was definitely a game where I, I just thought he really he looked big he looked strong he was clinical in everything he did Tigburn the same um, you know you're looking at that pack well I, I, I'm I, sure people will have opinion but you're looking at that pack going, going forward and there isn't very many changes you'd be able to make it, they know the competition is around second row back row obviously front row at times as well but I think those back five of the scrum there's serious competition and these guys every time they put on that jersey are playing for their lives and there was some serious standout performances and I think the the thing that was great for me looking on it is obviously the attack in rugby was brilliant but I talked the, the defensive set in, in the second half um, especially near the end of the game when they knew they had the, the game won they still were fighting for every single ball and obviously got up and got that bonus point try as well Yeah that's the impressive thing Keith for you know as, as poor as relatively as Wales were they did have a lot of visits to the 22 which ultimately they came up empty handed that's testament to the work that was put in uh, defensively the work that was put in I guess in the week leading up to the game to show what Wales were capable of and how to stop it Well I think there's a fair element of that and also um, and we've definitely discussed this but from Joe Schmidt's period of time there has been uh, a change because Farrell wanted to play differently that took a period of time Um, I think there are subtle improvements consistently you can see it because it seems as if the foundation has been built so um, that doesn't mean anything in terms of it doesn't mean we're guaranteed to win the Six Nations. It doesn't mean that we break our duck at the World Cup in the quarterfinals. It, it, but what it means is that there doesn't seem to be any resting on the laurels at all. Um, I, I was stunned at the very end. You Just to mention Wales, I thought they were so tired at the end. Vanderfleer ran in. There were two two players he ran between. But as if they didn't even see him, they were, their movement had gone into slow-mo yeah. and so nobody laid a hand on him. Now, they mightn't have been able to stop him, but they still should have made a tackle and didn't. And they were shattered by the end of it. So, look, I think the team looked well. Um, I wanted to make one comment, if, if I can. I, a couple of years ago, I was saying, yeah, it's about time to, for, for Johnny Sexton to hang up his, his boots. Mm. I was worried with the amount of bangs he was getting and I looked at it quite binary. He's He should be played or he shouldn't be played. You know, it was, it was as simple as that. And the way he was playing for me was was destructive for him. And I worried for him as a player. And um, it's great to admit that when you're wrong because there was a third option. And the third option was Farley said, well, let's structure a way that you can have him pulling all the strings, but it isn't all on the gain line. No, it doesn't mm-hmm. take him away from the gain line. And and he pulled every string. So, But there are seven or eight or nine options for him every time he has the ball in his hands. And that is fantastic. And they're not options that have to be split second um, without getting smashed with it. So he seemed to play into that very well. And I have to say, when Ross Byrne came on, he did the exact same. 
And so that was quite comforting. And then, of course, if we flip it back one day previously, we saw something very similar in the under-20s with Prendergast playing a very um, 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 thinking game at 10 plucking as many different options as he could and trying to make the right one all the time made a few wrong ones he's going to make many wrong ones and but it was just it was a nice style of play that seems that we might be able to protect Johnny long enough you know so um, look I I thought it was a it was a very it was an incredible first half I mm. mean truly extraordinary and an extraordinary last 10 minutes and I did think we lost our way for a bit and and so you know, understand once the um, momentum comes for a team, you then get penalised off the park, and that happens. But we just—I don't know whether we we just didn't quite fully focus or whatever it was, but we were off the mark actually in the second half. But in many respects, that's great because we dealt with a huge um, surge of of Welsh play, albeit not great play. Mm. Fiona, <clears throat> I was on uh, Ireland AM with you on Saturday morning and I just happened to mention the name and passing of Gary Keegan and, and, and the work that he would have done behind the scenes in terms of the setting the right mentality for the squad uh, ahead of this game particularly with those factors that we mentioned at the top of the segment mm-hmm. with, with the roof and with Gatland and with, with the crowd and all that kind of thing it seemed to be to Keith's point a very concentrated very dialed in performance particularly during the first half and again in those crucial moments in the last 10 minutes when you really need to get the game wrapped up and get the results and get away it seemed that the mental aspect of that squad is completely in tune and exactly where you want them to be yeah, I think you're spot on. I think I've seen a huge difference in that since uh, New Zealand. Um, you know, you expected them then maybe to come into the November inter- internationals and not quite be at the level they played over in New Zealand. But it's it's almost like they have now got this winning mentality and everyone seems to have bought into it. Coach and staff, they're they're pushing it. Um, I remember reading something about Farrell as well. He's constantly looking up, you know, how how can I get this team to keep that mentality? How do we keep winning? You know, he would have loved, I'd say, the start of that second half because that tested the Irish team. And it really, that's when your mentality is tested and you need it going into this big, massive game next week against France. It would have been too easy for Ireland to run away with that game, but for them to defensively hold up, for the wanting them not to, ha- to Wales obviously did cross the, the trial line and they look at defensively how they got caught out wide and that'll all come into play but they played for the whole 80 minutes with, with a one for them not to score and I think that's the mentality of women winning teams and I can mm. see that in every Irish player including the bench that's coming on And Keith when you factor in as well the, the late withdrawal of Tyke Furlong during the week and then on the morning of the game both Jemison Gibson Park and Keane Healy being withdrawn from the squad yet none of that seemed to be a factor we talked about the importance of Tyke Furlong not only to the front row but to the side as a whole and setting the pace and setting the tempo and setting the right mentality of the squad to lose them and not miss a step is is huge I think they are a factor and I do think it it changes some of the mentality of the team and and for for me I'm again I'm very happy when you see that happen when um, because Tyke has been injured for quite a bit and like there's nobody doubts that he is incredibly important for us Um but it can't just be about him either. And it isn't just about the guy who plays in this position. It's how do the rest of the players um, support him? So for Finley Bealham, who doesn't get too many starts, you have a young guy beside him and Dan Sheehan. Dan Sheehan has to grow into that idea to say that I have to look after him as well. Uh, the second rows have to do the same. The flankers have to make certain they stay on. I think 
at one stage in the second half, they got that a little bit wrong. Um, away has got a bit of a turn on the scrum. That drop in concentration didn't happen in the first half at all. And um, uh, you know that uh, the coaches would be upset for that fact because that puts everybody under pressure. Um, but I thought the team reacted very well. thought Conor Murray played very well. Um, he looked to be moving the ball very quickly which is essential. Now, it's much easier when you're not digging for the ball. And I, we've said that often, that when Connor, as a tall man, has to go in and dig for the ball, there tends to be another step to get out of the way. There's a lot of up and down for him to get there. The ground's a long way away from him. It's that closer for, for Craig Casey, you know. And <laughs> um, But that idea of banging that ball out to, out to the 10 or to the first receiver is just essential because if Ireland continue to play at that pace, that becomes the key. And I think we saw an example of that with with Italy and France. Um, let's move these huge forwards around as much as we possibly can. Let's see what can happen and see if we can upset them. And, and nearly worked for Italy then as well. Um, Fiona, Keith touched on it there and I don't want to, to put the question to him necessarily just yet. Uh, but did his movement and his style of play remind you of anybody on Saturday? Keith Wood, a young Keith Wood, is it? <laughs> um, uh, look, uh, Casey or Sheehan? You? No, look. We've got a whole new. We've a whole new species now in Dan Sheehan. Um, honestly, he's just he's, he's made. He's made it. Um, he's he's changing the way the game has to go. Um, he is very big, very powerful. His feet, his movement before contact even before he gets the ball at certain instances puts him into into great I mean the game is so totally changed now and yet he's consistently making yardage is very impressive mm. Fiona but one of those things about um, that struck me about the difference between the two sides on Saturday uh, that damn bigger chance not before half time I think it just became just before James Lowe's uh, intercept try there was he had damn bigger essentially received the ball and had two thoughts in his mind it was either to pass the ball wide or to take the chance on himself and you can kind of see his thought process and that little bit of a stumble to his right and I think mm. that kind of encapsulated the difference between the two sides because Ireland weren't taking that extra second to think and make their decisions they were smooth and they were happening almost uh, instinctively whereas that just wasn't the case with Wales no, and look, it's it's a new coach. I know that Gatlin has been with Wales before. You've a new coach coming in. Um, look, he would have changed things up a little bit. And they just, like Ireland right now, I think are a well-oiled machine. You know, everyone is on the same page. Everyone, the, the style of play, Farrell, Cat, they're all playing. They're, as, as Keith spoke earlier, we've so many runners off the ball. The work that's going on off the ball is absolutely massive. I don't think Wales have the players to do that kind of work. They're a little bit older. So it's trying to figure out they're trying to bring in Gatlin style and I suppose they're 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 playing off the back of uh, of having another coach's mentality in it as well they just didn't look at the races they obviously half time you go in you go back to basics you go back to what you know and they were always going to come out um, a better team in the second half but they just I, they just don't really have the players I think at the minute to be at that level obviously glimpses and they, and they could have the potential to pull off a big shock in one game but going into World Cup I'm not even sure about their player pool there at the minute either. Mm. 
uh, that period at the start of the second half, Keith, from a coach's perspective, is almost ideal grist to the mill for preparation for France because if we had a run up a cricket score over the course of the 80 minutes and you know ran in eight nine tries, it's almost a case of you don't necessarily learn that much. They would have learned you know quite a few things during those first 20 25 minutes of the second period going into the French game. Great, great for the coach, horrible for the players yeah. because the players don't have the ball for a big chunk of that period of time. I think they might like to have enjoyed the um, the sort of dominance that they had in the first half. They'd have liked a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, even 10 minutes at the start of the second half, um, they could have put that game fully to bed. Mm-hmm. And I know they were in control of all of it, but... You know, we know that the game can go down to a red card or anything at the moment, so that can make things very difficult. But look, uh, France were incredibly interesting, um, and that's the only word I could put it. I, I, it was almost as if they didn't take the game that seriously. And, um, you know, there's a mentality piece that you could be off by one or two percent and that could lead to 20 mistakes or 30 mistakes. That's what it looked like for France. They looked, they were in total control of the game, mm. but couldn't get ahead because they just seemed to be a little bit sloppy as if their mind wasn't fully there. And they only just got away with it. But they look phenomenal. And if that clicks, we need to be phenomenal. And even when we're having the conversation and people often think that this is kind of a media thing where you're over over talking the opposition because it could be, um, uh, you know, to try and uh, make more excitement for, for a game. But if you're off by a couple of percent, if, if things aren't perfect, Ireland's start last week was of the highest standard and it shell-shocked Wales within 10 or 15 minutes. If if the if their mindset was off by 2 or 3%, that mightn't have happened and it could have been a really big dogfight. That's the nature of those games. And um, for us to be to beat France because this French team are pretty awesome. Um, we have to have that same start and we can't allow that that 20, 25 minutes uh, lull in the second half. We just, we just can't because they could score, they could rack up 25 points in that period of time. Do you know, what's, do you know what's the interesting just on that key? I was just coming in there, like they won't do it, but I, I just thought when Jalabert came on, there was a lot more control in the French team. Um, Like Intermac, we know what he can bring, but I like it was almost like, as you said at the start, he, what, was he even there? Was he that interested in playing? It could, it obviously will be a big difference next week again, but I just thought when Jalabert came on they were a different team and he's doing it week in week out with Bordeaux as well They, they you'd question as a coach looking at that team do you need someone that's in and going to take a lot more control yeah I think that's I think that's an, I think they'll still go with with Antimac and like what I would say is they were tearing Italy apart and then a simple knock on like silly silly mistakes but they'd got themselves in the place to actually do everything and they were pretty much in control um and then they start started to panic a little and what what Jalabert did was he brought a cutting edge back on someone who wasn't kind of infected by whatever that malaise or that 2 or 3% off was he came on and just just attacked everything and um became far more direct um um, having a guy like uh, um, Antonio, who is huge, and his hands are fantastic, mm. 
But the second you see him pass a ball out the back, you're quite happy that a guy 150 kilos isn't running straight into you. So um, I think they got the mix wrong. I thought they wanted to play a little bit too much rugby. I don't think they'll do that against us. I think they'll kick far more. I think they will be far more aggressive um, with their contact when they have the ball. And um, and I think that they will be at that space where they have to be. And our trick is to try and knock them off it. Because if they show any um, bit of lazy kind of freedom as to say, well, let's try this 50-50, we'll go down the length and get it. You know, So um, we want to try and make them be a little bit awkward when they're going for those perfect little tip-on passes that they do so well and we need to upset them and actually I thought Italy did a great job and Crowley said afterwards he hopes that people don't talk about France playing badly and talk about Italy playing mm. well and um, that as an Italian team would put the fear of God into anybody I thought that's the best they've played for an awful long time There were elements of naivety in, in the way Italy played in the first 15 minutes or so and you kind of look at the way they were trying to kick mm. and they were trying to you know play the ball out from their own 22 and they paid for it and almost paid for it further there were a couple of tries obviously that weren't given uh, but as Keith mentioned there earlier they were able to move the French forwards around in such a way that it really fritzed the French system and to the point that it did get them worried is that something that we can take heart from is it something that we'll try and replicate or where, where will we try and strike that balance Fiona yeah, when I was watching the game, I actually found it very interesting after Italy settled down a little bit. I thought they actually attacked the narrow channels. I thought they were getting gain line. The internal uh, French defence weren't actually coming up off the line. They were staying back. And Italy, the direct running, obviously stepping and, and using their footwork, but the direct running was actually getting over the gain line a lot, which you don't see with a, with a French defence. You know, we know how they like to come up and blitz, but it just didn't seem to happen in the internal channels. So Ireland were similar against Wales at time I don't think France will defend the same way against Ireland because they know exactly what type of big ball carries are there so I, I think France will, will come and, ha- and have a different way but Italy read the game perfectly I thought you spoke about there was just Varney maybe lost control he he, he didn't have the best 20-25 minutes to the start of the game he needlessly kicked the ball away had a couple of errors if you look back at that you you think Italy could have actually come away from, from the win with the win they were just they read the French team they rattled them but obviously the French came through and won the game I think it's going to be different and it's going to be a power battle against Ireland we know exactly they're going to target our scrum big time especially now knowing that Furlong it's been said nice and early Farrell is backed he's, he's guys he's, he's not playing games he's put it out there he said this is who's injured I think they're going to look at attacking that scrum and I think they'll attack Ireland narrower than they were Italy they, they were trying to go out wide as Keith said they will change that up and I think they'll try and get in game line, gain line, gain line to create that to go out the back then. Yeah, Keith, Sean Edwards was saying after the game that, you know, if we play like that again, we're going to concede 15, 20, 30 odd points to Ireland. Could well have been more considering what Italy did to them yesterday. Um, where did they go about rectifying their problems that arose yesterday? Well, line speed will rectify most things, but if I just touch on one one other thing for Italy, I was, I was at the Stadio Olimpico, I think it was eight years ago when they beat France. It's one of my favourite um, um, rugby experience has actually been in the ground at that stage. It was absolutely incredible. And they beat France by the way that Italy have played for the 10 or 15 years beforehand. They grounded out, they kept their discipline a little bit better than it had been. And France were poor, but they got the victory. The way Italy played at the weekend was entirely different. They showed um, 
a willingness to to try everything and anything and there wasn't a fear of losing there was a fear of not performing and their mm-hmm. performance was phenomenal um, and I think that kind of I think that upset France a little and we'll be looking to try and upset them a little different in a different way um, but I touch on Fiona's point their line speed French line speed um, you want to try and get them back on their heels wherever you can and if you can move them a lot that's mm. that's fantastic move the, move the players around the field they're huge men um, but other than that keep them guessing because if they all rush up out of the line and you have an inside pass that can cut a guy in an angle we'll see far more of Mac Hansen and Lowe uh, working in off, off 10 um, you want to see uh, you want to see coming someone coming out of the line trying to you know trying to um, trying to make a big hit but France are going to absolutely have to speed up their defensive element and I think that they just didn't have the concentration on that yeah there was an element that leeches into the attack Richie sorry that leeches into the attack then as well because you suddenly things are not at the pace that you're used to yeah there was an element I was going to say of of chaos that Italy brought to the game almost and I think that's something that can the Ireland I think have in their locker as you mentioned Keith there the likes of Mac Hansen and James Lowe certainly have that but that kind of X factor to to produce the unexpected and to not play into the game plan that perhaps France will be expecting is something that we can use to our benefit Fiona yeah definitely and you know like you're talking there like like uh, Sean Edwards like the, the 18 penalties France gave away Italy targeted their breakdown early on in the game they pick and chose um, where to go who who to I just thought that it absolutely rattled rattled France they didn't know I mean you had guys coming in and then we had like obviously Capuso defensively probably got caught a few times but I thought at attack he was absolutely outstanding and I, I, I feel like France know the system Ireland is going to play they're going to they'll have, have studied all the games they'll be looking at how we're going to do it but it's a, a we need to change things up a little bit which will happen for this French game but I think it's about that trickery the kicking game will have to be a bit better than it was as well at times against Wales there was a few aimless kicks so there's going to have to be a better kick and chase and I think against France if you can mix up your game they, they won't have a clue but I do think we need to target that inside uh, inside area because that's where they were vulnerable the big guys weren't coming up off the line they were sitting back in their heels and we know they can damage you at scrum and big ball carries but defensively that's where you can test them and move them around the place And in a, in a broader sense Keith isn't it great after so many years of these conversations about promotion and relegation and whether Italy have a place in the tournament that it's actually a meaningful six team tournament again or at least seems to be the evidence is, is racking up in Italy's favour that they have brought something to the table in the last 12 months that perhaps have been missing up until that point Well I, look I, I, I've been critical of them of, the, of their place at the top table for the very simple reason that they haven't they haven't performed um, and but they haven't performed and were for the most part very conservative well we didn't see anything conservative at the weekend I, there was a joy I mean I, like I was watching I was just chatting to Fiona um, off air beforehand I I get excited by these weekends I like I quite like sitting at home watching them I'll go to an odd match but not all of them but the idea of sitting down with a fire on and watching um uh, you know, three matches over a weekend, not knowing what's going to happen with any of them. Um, there's a whole variety of, uh, you know, subplots going on. There are players that you, you haven't seen before who suddenly who suddenly shine. Um, 
there was the element of doubt in 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 all three games because even though Ireland were fantastic in the first half, Wales were coming back and coming back and coming back. But then you've like down to the last minute, you have Italy the chance to beat France in this year of all years when they want to go and win the World Cup on their home turf and all that sort of um, that that there. And then you, we haven't even talked about like England Scotland, which was just. It was stunning. It was over back stunning. I mean, it was about as good a weekend of Six Nations that I can remember. So it was pretty fantastic. Now, I don't know what's going to happen next week. That's the other thing. So like Ireland, um, Ireland, France, like I can't go and say Ireland will definitely win that game. I just think that, that that's just going to be an extraordinary battle, you know, but so are all the other battles now. Yeah, uh, we'll touch on England, Italy, or England, uh, Scotland momentarily, but uh, all of our rugby and off the ball is brought to you with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. We'll get to that di- difficult opening for Steve Borthwick as England head coach after this little break. Monday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Yeah, welcome back to Monday Night Rugby. Picking through the first weekend of Six Nations action, as Keith mentioned just before the break, one of the best Six Nations weekends that we can remember uh, with two absolute stunning games involving England and Scotland. As we mentioned, there's before the break, France and Italy will turn our attentions to those events at Twickenham, where Scotland, for the first time since 1972, registered three successive wins in uh, over their old enemy, uh, regaining the Calcutta Cup. 29 points to 23 win for Gregor Towns inside and it included one of the tries of this or indeed any other season from Duham van der Merve um, Fiona Hayes a remarkable win for Scotland and fully deserved They're, I don't know we, we still I guess even after the recent results against England have this thing of oh well, maybe this will be the one where England actually uh, win the arm wrestle and, and show their, their quote unquote quality Scotland were fully deserving of that win and, and were a great watch as well I think on top of that yeah, I think that's what the exciting thing was, is how good their attacking rugby was. You know, a lot of people might say England weren't, you know, themselves, they weren't defensively there at times. They were they were running out, even attack-wise near the end, they were going off on their own, which is very, they, they lost a couple of line-outs as well at key moments. But the Scottish attacking rugby was brilliant. I mean, we saw the best of Duane van der Merwe. He two tries, but he's footwork, he's strength. He really was just exceptional throughout the whole game. Finn Russell... You talk about him in a positive and you can talk about him in a negative light then at times as well. But he had a, a brilliant game. And and I just thought in general, you Jones, everyone, I thought there was a lovely attacking style of rugby. There was a lot of options. Scotland looked fitter than I've seen him in a long time as well. They looked to be enjoying the game. And from, from about halfway through the game, I really felt like this Scottish team were going to win it. They were confident and they were playing great, great rugby. Yeah, Keith, they were they were a joy to watch at times. They were a joy to watch. Um, uh, I thought in the forwards, I thought they mixed it up incredibly well. I it also got to a point of where they went down and um, whether they were going to to crumble under the pressure and and they didn't. And it, it, I thought Finn Russell played really well. It's it's quite interesting. There's the only view that you get in the 
in the British media, the English media or the Scottish media is that um, they fight all the time. But I, every time I watch it and yeah, he might have to be dropped every now and then. He may be in the squad every now and then. I, he's so similar to Gregor Townsend as was as a player in terms of that maverick um, and I, I get the sneaking opinion, you know, view all the time that Gregor is managing him incredibly well. I mean, it like it becomes great noise for people in the media, but um, he may require that every now and then, that proverbial kind of uh, dropping or kick in the arse or whatever it is that's required, <laughs> because every time that's happened, when he comes back, he sets the world alight. Now he. Of course, he'd do a few things that would just drive everybody into, you know, <laughs> like total confusion. But he can do things that most people just can't do. And he pulled an awful lot of strings. Actually, for, for a lot of those tries, it was his run pulling people out of position and then putting people back into position. That's That was incredible to watch and incredible to watch on the telly. You could see it maybe better on the telly. Um, he was just stepping people away and say, God, we're going to have to get him now because he could do anything. And there was another gap for somebody afterwards. I thought England's defence was was um, was confused. and mm. But I think a lot of that was because um, Finn Russell was just playing with their minds. And so that was quite interesting to watch. Uh, he's uh, um, mercurial, I think, is the word he'd use. Like yes. so, so, so good, and yet, like half the time, you just want to give him a clip around the ear and tell him to catch on to himself. But as, as Keith mentioned there, Fiona, he was he was pulling strings, making things confused and awkward for England in a game that it just didn't like. They needed to hit the ground running under Steve Borthwick. You felt, and now there'll be questions again of well how is he going to untangle this and how is he going to recover they have Italy next which is probably a bit of an element of they're able to go and you know work out the kinks against Italy but again he is under pressure now to get a result because they are on the back foot yeah he's definitely under pressure but I do feel like you saw glimpses at times of England I, I, I felt that a lot of the stuff you know the set piece at times was very on English like you know they, they lost the ball in contact as well so there's a few areas where players have to put their hands up you know he's made a couple of changes Don Brandt um, wouldn't have been an Eddie Jones favourite and he, he's brought him in um, he's a great player but he, he had a few words. So there's a few guys that need to settle down now. And I, I think you can see a glimpse of it. There is pressure on him, but I think the media will give him a bit of time because we've mm. seen what he's done with Leicester and he will have a little bit of time. Um, This probably wasn't the best game. You know, you're going into this after two losses in Scotland as well. And they just came out. Another guy, Hogg, he probably hasn't been playing great rugby at times, but I thought he had an exceptional game as well. And the pack in general, I mean, Richie Gray is just a beast and England's players just didn't put their hand up. There was Farrell, there wasn't very many kind of players that you thought, he's having a great game, that guy, which is unusual, even the likes of Elish Genge. I know the, the media said he had a great game, but I, I didn't feel like he was himself either. Their ball carrying, there were there were there was there was a lack of connection, you know, they were getting turned over, there was guys going off on his own. So he'll just have to do a little bit of work on that and and obviously he's brought his own style and it's just gonna take a couple of games to settle. But yeah, definitely a little bit of pressure going into the next game. Uh, Keith, does that axis of Marcus Smith and Owen Farrell work for you or is it going to reach a case where Borthwick's just going to have to make a call and say one or the other is starting at 10 and I'm going to have my own centre partnership uh, it doesn't it doesn't work for me um, 
And I don't think it suits England either. And um, what I would have said coming up to this game was that England ended up with the craziest injury profile of the players that they would have liked to have played. And they ended up having having to go back to something that was seriously maligned in Eddie Jones' time. And... I'm a huge fan of Marcus Smith. I think he's he's an extraordinary rugby player. I don't know that he necessarily fits into what England are trying to do at the moment. No, not that I know what England are trying to do at the moment. And I do think that Owen Farrell is probably the steadier um, um, 10 for England at the moment. But for that to be the case, they need a defined 12 and a defined 13. And the amount of fluidity that they've had in those positions for the last two or three years has meant that nobody has bedded down into it. So um, they're being picked for a reason. It's because there's very few other guys um, playing there. Um, I'd agree as well with with Fiona, with with the pack. An England pack playing well, tries to bully the opposition, you know, tries to tries to run over them, tries to uh, absolutely have different plays and do different things as well. But they do like and need the physical confrontation. I think they brought that too late in the game. So it was it was interesting. But again, I wanted to touch on one other player. I thought Ben White at nine for Scotland is is a very kind of pure nine, really. Mm. He just got to the ball and passed the ball. So Finn Russell had the ball in his hands early always. There was nobody thinking about having a run first, thinking, will we take a step and is there another option? They gave the ball to the guy who is the most creative on the field. I think that actually put um, pressure on the English defence as well and got them out of position a lot of the time. But look, it's a really tough job Um Coming in, I thought there'd be there'd be more of a bounce, and I actually thought the sting was taken out of the tail with the six or seven extra injuries that they had. Um, and it's funny; those injuries came after he had said no to a, he'd named the squad. He'd said no to a lot of players, so it became an unfortunate set of circumstances almost for that first selection um, as you mentioned there Keith like Ben White had a brilliant game and it was one of those big calls like we talk about the, the Finn Russell man management he decided to drop Ali Price to bring in Ben White so that was one of these big calls heading into the game and it's going to be one of the question marks over which Townsend and the Scotland performance was going to be judged and it was a brilliant testament to that decision-making process through the week and these things can go badly, these things can go well, but when they do go well, Fiona, it makes everybody look great and it makes the whole, it, it adds a sense of ease to, you know, any further decision down the line saying, well, he got that right, I'll have enough faith in the process that the next major decision is going to be right too. Yeah, and it's these big games where you have to make these decisions. You have to let these guys get their game time. You know, it's always, as a coach, you can always go back to the old reliable and the old steady. But when you have young guys coming up and that are that are performing at club level, um, when it doesn't work out, yeah, you could look pretty bad. But I think this was a decision that did work out. And I think he's done, Townsend has done really well with that. He's he's very good at managing players. I'm sure he's talked to Ali Price about it. And it, it, it just looks like a happy camp. And when they get that win, especially in Twickenham, that's when things start glued together and if you had any questions you get another couple of goes to, to, to try people as well before people come back at you about your decision making Yeah that Wales visit to Edinburgh is going to be uh, pretty interesting I want to bring it back to, to Ireland before we go because obviously we'll touch on those three injuries uh, you mentioned the murder on Keith there as well that's uh 
and he finally got on top of them and Fiona I think it was here saying like you know there's going to be no gamesmanship and we know where we are um, we talked about Tyke Furlong being important we talked about Jonathan Sexton being important did Saturday prove that Hugo Keenan is now in that echelon of player Keith whereby he is operating at such a level that to lose him is to lose almost two players yeah, I don't. I never like to even think about losing players. It kind of upsets me a little, Richie. But I, um, uh, I, I, I love his his calmness. Um, he seems to be unflustered by pretty much everything. He's in the right place all the time. And even he's got a very he's just kind of awkward run, um, and he covered the ground at a ferocious rate to, to get ahead of Dyer to, to stop that try that would have been a try. I thought that was pretty extraordinary. Dyer had a two or three step um, lead on him. Um, I, I used to always say it, it depends what you're looking for in your 15, but the one thing you want is reassurance. He's your goalie. So you want anything that happens behind you. Um, you just want to say, you're not panicking to sprint to get back there because you know something good's going to happen. And um, I, I feel he gives a great sense of calm. Um, I do think we've we um, I think we can deal with it if if he gets injured. I, I do think in O'Brien and I think in in all the other guys that we've had that have been in and around for the last period of time were fine. But he for me has has taken the jersey and has brought it to another level as well. Um, and I think there's a high sense of balance and. One of the things that I'd often look for is when I see a fullback catch the ball, I want to see what he's looking to do and I want to see who he's looking for and he is always looking. So he'll run back sometimes, but he'll pass it sometimes and follow the pass. Um, there's always an option. It's not one thing. And um, yeah, I think he's growing into into a real uh, mainstay for the team. Um, we mentioned that we didn't want to get bullied against France. We have to be wary of the, the, the physical matchups that's going to come, particularly from their front five. When we see Tyke Furlong definitely ruled out of the game, when we see Keane Healy definitely ruled out of the game uh, this coming weekend, are there concerns about depth, Fiona, going forward for that front row, particularly when, and it's something I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the John Ryan factor not being involved. He's like somebody you'd want in, the, in this situation to be part of that squad. He isn't there. They brought in Roman Salanoa, they're bringing in Michael Milne as well to, to add a bit of that depth but is that a concern for you going into these next couple of weeks? Yeah, like obviously it's a concern going in against like but Antonio and Baye in front row. I mean, they're absolutely France. We saw they blitzed their scrum last year. They're going to they're going to go after it again. Um Look, I, I think Bielham was given his start. I thought he'd done very well. Obviously, he might have switched off for maybe one scrum and that's going to happen. So I, I feel like this is perfect opportunity, especially going into World Cup for these guys to get game time. You have Tom O'Toole, um, Kilcoyne. We know Kilcoyne can anchor, can, can scrummage. He's on the bench. Um, so they, they have the depth there. Tyke Furlong, uh, obviously he's at loose, but Tyke Furlong is a huge loss. But I just feel like Bielham, I, I can't has been getting far more confident he, his scrummaging has come up loads his height everything about him he's not a big massive he's not a huge uh, tight head but he's, his technique and his ability to get low and hold I think is really important and I, I saw a couple of overhead um, angles out of his scrum and you could see you could see the Welsh guy the Welsh Lucy coming across him and he absolutely just held so it's going to
going to be something similar. They're going to have to look at this French pack and know they're going to be under attack and just building those connections to be able to, especially on our own ball, to be able to hold the pressure and get the ball out and then we can play rugby from there. How do you see that arm wrestle going next Saturday, Keith? Uh, look, I think that's an intriguing one. It's funny. I, I don't know that he necessarily um, he tuned out for that one. I, I felt Wales walked around him on the outside um, and, and that requires... It's like you learn something new every time you're playing in the front row. It's quite interesting. You come across somebody who does something slightly different. And the more you play, the more experienced you, you can be at it. You can still get cut out. And all those great guys we've spoken about in Furlong got cut out often, especially when he started. Um, you deal with what you have. Um, I think you bring it lower. I think we bring the, the scrum as low as we can bring it legally. Um, I would also be, I think we'll be under huge pressure. And I think that France will concentrate on putting as much energy through through the tight and the hooker as they possibly can. Um, my view on it would be to try and get a channel one ball. I think we that scrum that we talked about, the ball got stuck in the second row's feet. Mm. Um, we do need to be able to have a freer strike to, to the back. And I know when the ball goes in, it doesn't go in straight anymore, but you still want to get a hooker's foot on that ball. You want to get the sweep so that the ball can get to the number eight's feet because there's certain scrums, you'll hear it, you'll know it, you'll feel feel it within the the whole tempo of the game. You'll say, oh my God, they're going for this one. Well, what do we do? Are we so macho that we're going to deal with it and show them how strong we are? Or can we be absolutely pragmatic and do as much of that as we can and have a perfectly clean strike to the number eight's feet on a channel one ball and he's gone. And if Caelan Doris gets a ball struck to his feet, he could be 15 yards over the gain line before anybody knows it. So I do think we have to be able to, to cater for that as well. Um, and if we're under pressure, get it in, get it out. Listen, it's set up beautifully for the next few weeks. Thank you so much, Fiona Hayes, to join us this evening. Thanks, Richie. Great chatting. Keith Wood, pleasure as always. Cheers, Richie. Great seeing you both. And ye, more from us after this. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.